Good morning, everyone. How are you today? And a good morning to you. <laughs> My phone just said, and a good morning to you. Siri never does what I ask her to do when I ask her to do. And then just out of the blue, she will start talking to me. How many of you have a rebellious phone like that? Can I see your hands? Yeah. So I'm just going to shut her off. There you go. And I'm not being cruel to women. I love women. How many of you know that I have a great appreciation for the women of our church? Amen. Well, I'm glad to see you today on this Great Grandparents Day and, and Senior Adult Day. Uh, our crowd is down a little bit today because we've got so much sickness that is going on among our uh, constituents. We've still got COVID that's uh, raising its nasty head up and others that uh, have other, other illnesses and sickness. But, you know, we've learned how to just go on and have fun even without them, right? And just pray that God will touch them and bless them in a special way and raise them back up to health. Uh, over the last few weeks, we've been talking about the end times and, and how that one of these days we're not going to have to worry about sickness anymore. Aren't you looking forward to that day? Praise the Lord. Well, thank you so much for the last couple of Sundays wearing your name tags. Uh, I've been just trying to have a little fun with you, and if you don't have a name tag on, I refuse to call your name until you put the name tag on. And, and most, this morning someone came in and I said, uh, greetings, I said, but I can't call your name. I said, but you don't have your name tag on yet. And they, they said, Pastor, just walked in the door. Would you be patient? And so uh, anyway, I appreciate you doing that. And I've heard several of you comment about how positive this has been. And, and you're getting to know people uh, that you, you, you knew them, you can see them by sight and know who they are, but you don't really know their names. And so thank you so much for doing that. Try to call each other by name, because when you speak the name, it, it, there's something that happens in your brain that kind of connects. And so try to do that, and then try to figure out a way that you can remember that name. And the Lord will help you to do that. Well, I want you, today's going to be a little bit different. Uh, I, I have completely changed up my message today because I wanted <clears throat> to get to a particular point uh, because this is going to be our last Sunday talking about the end times. And a uh, conversation that I had Friday uh, at the Biscuit Boys gathering down in, the, uh, in High Grove, we were talking about preachers uh, on the internet and on TV and what have you, and we were talking about a particular individual who, who does a lot of preaching about prophecy. And uh, in fact, it's almost all they ever talk about anymore. And, and my ear caught a statement that somebody made, and they said, you know, I can listen to that guy talk, and at the end of the hour... He has said so much that I don't have a clue what he said. And, I, and it, it just st struck me as that's not my goal. I don't want to get up here and just give you so much information that you go home and say, well, it, it, it might have been good, but I really don't know what pastor was trying to tell us today. And I don't want that to be the case. And so today, rather than just giving Scripture and Scripture and Scripture and Scripture and Scripture that is very difficult for you to understand, I'm going to give you some Scripture passages, 
and I'm going to try to highlight some of this so that I can get to the end, which is the good stuff. How many of you know that the, the good stuff is at the end when it comes to the end times prophecies in Scripture? So I want to do that today. I, I'm not afraid of Scripture. I'm not afraid to give it to you. But if all I've done is just spout Scripture at you and then you've gone home and you don't really know what it was that we talked about, I, I don't feel like that we're doing justice to, to the topic. So today, I just told Brother Jared upstairs, I said, just kind of put a, a pretty picture up there and, and gave him some, uh, a title to put up. And uh, he's going to do that for me today, but then I'm going to walk you through uh, some things, and hopefully by the time we get finished today, we will go through the judgments, the seals, the trumpets, and the bowls, and then the good stuff that comes after all of those things have been poured out. So if you'll give me your attention today, I will try to do that, and hopefully we'll go out of here today. We're going to have communion together in just a few moments, which will be a precursor to the marriage supper of the Lamb that's coming one of these days, and we're going to be able to enjoy that time together. But I appreciate so much your many comments. I've gotten more emails, good, positive emails, text, comments about the subject matter that we've been talking about, and I appreciate you being so uh, generous with your, with your thoughts. Some of you are way too generous to me, but I do appreciate it, and I love it. You're, you're kind to your pastor, and the things that you speak uh, are encouraging to me, and I appreciate it very much. But again, I'm not preaching for compliments. I'm trying to get some information that hopefully will help you to understand what Scripture has to say. So today, uh, I'm going to share a few things with you. I'm going to move uh, fairly rapidly and try to get to the place where we can wrap this all up and feel good about it. So if you don't mind, if you'll just join me right now, let's pray and ask, ask the Lord to give us the wisdom uh, that we need and the good things that we need to hear today. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the goodness of the Lord that you have poured out upon us. I'm thankful Lord, for all of your word and what it means to us, pray that today you will help me to be able to speak in a way that will be able to clarify what can be some very difficult situations to understand, that you'll help me to say it in a way that we can understand it and that we can process it, and that ultimately those things will bring us hope for the future, because that's really what it's all about. You gave us this information not to frighten us, but rather to give us hope that you intend to bless your people abundantly and in a way that, honestly, we can't even imagine. But, Lord, we're going to do our best to hear today, bring it to us in such a way that we can understand. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. All right, as you know, we've talked about several things over the last few weeks. We've talked about, we've talked about the end times and some of the signs of the time. Uh, that we could anticipate. We, we broke those apart and we decided that uh, when the rapture of the church came that there would really not be any other signs that need to be fulfilled because the rapture is imminent. And by that we just simply said that Jesus could come at any time. How many of you believe that that's true? If we believe that it should have an impact on the way that we live for Him and that we live in relationship with Him. 
is to know that he could come at any time. Uh, not so much that I'm afraid that I, I'm going to be outside of his grace because he has saved me by his grace. My name has been entered into the Lamb's Book of Life, and I really feel like that if the rapture takes place today or if for some reason I leave this earth by way of the grave, I feel like that I'm okay with the Lord. I feel like that I'm saved, and so I don't go to sleep at night worried about that kind of thing because the Lord has saved me. I'm literally looking for the rapture of the church. We talked about what that means and how that when the rapture happens, Everyone who is uh, saved is going to leave this earth suddenly. In a twinkling of an eye, we're going to all be gone. And when that rapture takes place, we're taking the Holy Spirit with us. You know that's true, right? He's going with us. And so it's going to leave this earth in a very difficult place, in a very terrible time. Last week, we talked some about uh, the tribulation and, and how that different personalities and and people would be involved and the kinds of things that they would be doing and we we talked about the 144,000 witnesses the the two witnesses we talked about the antichrist and 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 we worked our way all the way up to the three and a half year mark where the antichrist goes into the temple that has been built the third temple that has been built and he desecrates the temple by taking his place on the throne in the temple, telling the entire world that I am the Messiah. I am your Savior. I am the one who will be able to save you from your destruction and all of these things. In Scripture, it's called the abomination of desolation. You remember us talking about that? And when the abomination of desolation takes place, that's when Jesus says, okay, I've had enough. I'm coming to pour my judgments out upon this world. Now, Jesus loves us all very much. You know that, right? But from the very beginning, even the Old Testament prophets prophesied that Jesus would ultimately have the government of this world upon his shoulders, that everything that would ever happen on this earth would happen with him in charge. God's in control. You know that, right? Jesus is going, he has all authority right now. And as the time comes, he is going to mete out these judgments and he will ultimately take his place on the throne of glory. So we had worked our way to this place now where Jesus is getting ready to unleash judgments upon those who are unsaved. So I want to move through those very quickly today and tell you what the meaning is. Now, I could tell you some fantastic stories today about horses and colored horses and red ones and white ones and all, all the different colors. Uh, but if you only get the colors of the horses and don't really understand what it represents, that it's not going to help you a whole lot. So today I, I simply, and I'm just going to be forthcoming with you today, I, I was able to get my hands upon this wonderful little Revelation prophecy chart that is published by David Jeremiah and Turning Point Ministries and rather than typing out all of my notes, I just, I thought, I'm going to, 
I'm going to tap into what Dr. Jeremiah has already told us. You can get one of these yourself by going to his website, give them your email, and in a couple of weeks it will come in the mail and you'll be able to have the exact same thing. But I want to share with you some of the synopsises and summaries that he uses as it pertains to these different uh, uh, judgments. So let's get started. First of all, Last week we ended with this idea of the heavens erupting and saying, Who is worthy to take the scroll and open the seals? Do you remember us talking about that? And the scripture tells us that no one in heaven was worthy to open the scrolls and release the seals. No one was worthy until they remembered and realized that Jesus, who had paid the price, was worthy. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to open the seals and release them. And that's where we are in this story. And so he begins with the seals. There are seven seals. And the very first one, as it is opened, uh, is seen. And before I start with the seals, let me remind you that the book of Revelation was written by a man named John. He, he was on the Isle of Patmos, and the Scripture tells us at the very beginning of Revelation, it says that John said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And while he was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, he began, the Spirit of God began to reveal these things to him in a way that, that was, that was uh, uh, very mysterious in some ways, and yet in other ways it was very clear as to what God was trying to say. And so as he's writing and as he's seeing in this vision, he is seeing prophetically. He is seeing symbolically. And so these things that I'm about to tell you about are symbols of something that would manifest as Jesus begins to release them and his judgment upon the earth. So keep that in mind. So as we start talking about some of these things, it may seem very fantastic to you and very strange to you, but remember that this is a vision that God gave John when he was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And so he begins to reveal the seven seals. And the first one begins with a white horse coming out of the heavenlies. Now, this white horse is different than the white horse that Jesus is going to be riding when he comes back the second time. You remember the first time he came, he, we met him in the clouds in the rapture. And so he did not set foot back on the earth. But listen, he's coming again. And the next time that he comes, he's not only going to come to the earth, he's going to take over the earth, and he's going to finalize his judgments on the earth. So this white horse is a different one than the one he will be riding when he comes back the second time. So what does it mean? It is a release of warfare upon the earth that will come through a particular leader, a, a single leader who will come and he will work his way to a place of power and release all kinds of warfare and, and, um, and, and, and fighting and that kind of thing up on the earth. Now, who do you think that might be? 
it is most likely going to be the Antichrist that is pictured on that white horse. Because you remember last week we talked about the ten nations that would come together to try to destroy Israel. And they would fight together. But God protects Israel. God always protects Israel. And he refuses to allow Israel to be overtaken by the ten nations. Instead, there is one leader who, who wipes out three of the other leaders and becomes the main individual to bring them and unite them with a peace pact with Israel for the next few years. So that is probably a, a symbol of the coming of this great individual who's going to come upon the face of the earth and release all kind of fighting and battles and warfare, and that's what's going to take place in the tribulation. Then after the white horse, we're told that there's a red horse that will come that extends the war and brings about bloodshed on the face of the earth. And there, there will be blood being shed all over the earth through war. And then after the red horse, there is a black horse that comes. The black horse represents famine. It means that there will not be enough food to eat. There will be not be enough water to drink. There will not be enough resources to take care of the people who are on the face of the earth. Great famine will come with the black horse. And then they're going to relate, release, Jesus will release a pale horse. And the pale horse will bring pestilence and death and disease. Now, in 2020, we heard about this thing called COVID that came and just took over our earth in terms of a disease and pestilence. And I can remember people saying, well, this is it. This must be the pale horse. This must be what God was planning to do. This is how God's going to wipe out the face of the earth. But COVID was not a part of the tribulation. Tribulation does not come until after the church is raptured out of here. With that said, the earth is full of decay and sickness and disease even now because we live in a world that is impacted by sin. And so we live in that kind of world. But when this happens, it's going to be pestilence and disease that is one on top of another after another after another after another. It's just going to fill the earth with these kinds of sicknesses and disease. And then the fifth seal that is opened will include the voices of the souls who have been martyred for the kingdom of God. They are under the altar of God being held in reserve. And they're going to be crying out and saying to Jesus, How much longer? How much longer until our souls are set free and we're able to get the redemption that we desire and that we know will ultimately be ours? And then in the sixth seal, the whole world will literally tremble. We're told that there will be earthquakes that are on, in, in places where you would never imagine them to be. The entire world will tremble. There will be flooding. There will be all types of natural disasters that take place 
on the face of the earth. I don't know how many of you have been watching the news. Even this week, there, been, uh, there was a huge earthquake. And the last count that I saw, that there were over 2,000 people that had been killed because of the earthquake that took place. But listen, as, as uh, sympathetic I am, as I am to that situation, that's a very small thing compared to what's going to be released in this seal. As Jesus begins to release this seal upon the earth, the earth is going to be, it is going to tremble and shake and quake at the presence uh, of its creator. And then finally, and this is an interesting one to me, Jesus releases the seventh seal and it's going to cause silence in heaven heaven. How many of you have ever noticed that in scripture? That for a period of 30 minutes, heaven is going to be absolutely silent. Do you remember going to church maybe when you were a kid and, 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 and the kids were being noisy and loud and here you are, you're trying to be spiritual. It's Sunday and it's like, I'm trying to get in the mood, you know, I'm trying to get in the worship mode and the kids are in the back seat playing havoc with my mind and my anxiety and my emotions are getting out of control and I just want them to shut up. To be honest, how many of you have ever experienced that? Maybe that was your morning today when you were coming to the house of the Lord. And then somebody came up with the grand idea of let's play church mouse. Anybody ever play church mouse? We play church mouse, and that means that you cannot speak, you cannot breathe out loud, you cannot make any kind of noises because church mouses are always very quiet because they're afraid that if somebody hears them, they'll catch them and throw them outside in the parking lot. Church mouse, you got to be quiet. And that's what happens in heaven for 30 minutes. At the conclusion of the seals, the seventh seal is silence. Now, I could speculate about this, and I could give you ideas of speculation that prophecy teachers teach all the time. But let me remind you that there's a lot of speculation that goes in to prophetic preaching and teaching. There are some things we simply don't know. There are some things we won't know until we get to the other side, and then it will be revealed to us. Why would there be silence in heaven at the end of these seals being poured out? And the answer to you is simply, I don't know. I know there have been many times that I've been amazed by something and it took my breath away. Do you know what I'm saying? It took my words away. It was, I was speechless. We used to sing a song around here that said speechless. And it's because we are so amazed at what we've just experienced that we literally become speechless. And I don't know if that's it. I don't know if there are other things that could be said about it or speculative ideas about it. I just know that at the end of the seals, the pouring out of these seals, that everybody in heaven who's there is just going to be speechless for a matter of a half hour. Well, let me talk about the half hour for a minute. Is it 30 minutes or is it heavenly spiritual language? 
you know, we don't know. We don't know because to the Lord, a thousand years is like a day and a day is like a thousand years. And we don't, we don't know if it's, a, if it's just a, a kind of speech that, that is spoken here or if literally God is going to set a timer and say, for 30 minutes, we're not going to breathe out loud. We're not going to speak out loud. We're not going to sing out loud. We're not going to do anything but be silent in this moment. I don't know. If you find out what it means, please let this man know. Because it's speculation as far as I can tell. But it will also signal the idea that this movement of judgment is over. And during this time of silence, they're going to get the trumpets out. And then we're going to move into phase two. There are seven trumpets that will be sounded. The first trumpet will release hail and fire that is mixed with blood. Now, I'm going to say that again. I want you to let that sink in. Fire and hail that is mixed with blood. How many of you ever seen a real good hailstorm? Can I see your hands? Now figure that that's going to be mixed with fire. It's going to mix with the blood of people and animals. And it's going to be poured out upon the earth when the sound of the first trumpet is sounded. And then secondly, when the second trumpet comes, the scripture tells us that it, a mountain will be thrown into the sea. Now, I, you know, I don't know. I, this, this idea of scripture and mountains has always puzzled me somewhat. Because the scripture says that if you have faith as of the grain of a mustard seed, the mountains will have to obey you. You can literally remove the mountain into the sea. The scripture says just by faith. I want to see the hands of everybody in the house today that you have literally moved a mountain in your lifetime. Can I see your hands? Exactly. None of us have. I remember an old song from years ago that has a phrase in it that says, Faith, it allowed me to move a mountain, but I ain't never felt the need. How many of you have ever felt the need to move a physical mountain? I did in West Virginia one time. I actually tried it. I got lost in West Virginia. I hadn't lived there very long. I had done the old GPS system where you have to print it out. You know what I'm talking about, remember? And, and, and I had gone right by what it said, and I turned the right, uh, turned right to go, and, and I just went right up to a mountain. The road stopped. It was just over. I think I've told you this story before, and I thought, how do I get from here to where I need to be? So I asked a local, I said, I'm supposed to be, I showed them, I'm supposed to be over on this particular location, I'm on this road, the road quit, how do I get from here to where I need to be? And they said, you have to drive all the way up the mountain to Charleston, West Virginia, and come down the other side of the mountain. About a two-hour drive. And I said, Lord, in Jesus' name, I remove this mountain. It did not work for me for some reason, and I just dare say that it would not work for you either, although Scripture says you can move the mountain if you have enough faith. But the Scripture says on the second trumpet, 
that there's going to be a mountain that is thrown into the sea and it will impact the waters there. And then the third trumpet, a star is going to fall from the skies. And this star has a specific name. It is named Wormwood. And this star will come from the heavenlies and it will be cast into the earth and it will poison all the waters that it touches. It will poison all of the land that it touches and it will cause great devastation where it impacts the earth. And then the next trumpet comes and it sounded and it says a third of the sun a third of the moon and a third of the stars go black they go dark so you look at the sun and only two-thirds of it will be seen it will be visible you look at the moon only two-thirds of it will now be active look at the stars and it's the same thing all because of the judgment of God you wonder why God is doing this. And I think one of the main reasons is, is that he's letting everyone who's on the earth know, I'm bringing my judgment upon you. And as you see these things begin to take place, you will remember what I said and how I would deal with the earth. I've loved, I've served with grace, I've given you every opportunity to believe in me, but because you have not, I'm bringing the judgments upon you. The next, the fifth, is going to release a plague of locusts that according to Scripture look like horses. Now imagine that if you will. How many of you have ever seen any locusts? I mean, you know, they look kind of strange. But the Bible says these are going to look like horses. And these locusts, when they are released upon the earth, they're just going to start eating everything that they can get their, their jaws on. They're just going to start dis destroying and devouring the landscape so that the vegetation will be ruined. The gardens will be ruined. The food supply will be affected because of these plagues. That, and not only will they eat everything in sight, but how many of you know that locusts are loud? Did you ever have a noise that just drove you nuts? And it's like, I wish that thing would shut up. I wish that thing would stay quiet. I wish that thing would quit. Locusts are loud, and they will absolutely make you lose your mind. And on the earth, the people that are here are going to, dealing, to be dealing with this plague of locusts. And then the next trumpet will release four angels. And the angels are going to be bringing us to the next phase. They're going to be getting everything ready to move into the final phase as these angels are released. And then finally, we just sum it up by the trumpet, as it is blasted upon the earth, brings woe on the earth and worship in heaven. Those who are on the earth are going to be crying, they're going to be weeping. Do you remember last week, me telling you about those that they're tongue would swell up to the point that they would be gnawing their tongues, literally. They'd be chewing on their tongues because they are in such a, a difficult state of mind. 
But it's very clear that while there are those on the earth that are gnawing their tongues and going crazy in heaven, we're going to be worshiping the Savior. We're going to be honoring Jesus and recognizing him for who he is on the seventh trumpet. And then finally, we move to what is called the seven bowls. The seven bowls are the most um, they, they're the most difficult, they are, they, they are the hardest, they are the most severe that come from the hands of God. God is going to hand the bowl, according to the Scripture, to the angels, and the angels who have been selected are going to bring those bowls and pour the bowls of judgment out upon the earth. And the first bowl is going to be painful, and nasty-looking skin sores upon everybody who's on the face of the earth. How many of you have ever had a skin sore? How many of you ever had a painful, uh, some kind of eczema or something of, along that line or, or uh, something on your body that hurts so badly? The Bible tells us that this first bowl is going to make everyone so uncomfortable physically that they'll have to deal with those sores all over their body. Kind of reminds me of Job. How many of you remember the story of Job? How that when Satan attacked him, uh, he, he caused skin lesions to come upon his body. And Job, the scripture tells us, that he took pottery and he broke it and he scraped his arm with the broken pottery because he was in such pain and turmoil and that's exactly what it's going to be like on earth but it's not going to be just one person it's going to be everyone who is left on this earth dealing with these sores and then the second bowl as it is poured out is going to cause the sea to turn to blood uh, it's not going to just change colors it's going to literally turn to blood you say now how's that going to happen well remember Everything that John is telling us here is part of a vision. And so, though it is symbolic, it's going to be played out in reality. I'll just remind you that we've come through a great period of war and turmoil. And animals have been slain so that they can try to have nutrition for their bodies and things of that nature. I mean, there's blood everywhere. Blood has been rained down with fire and hail. Blood is everywhere. Can you imagine? We live next to the Ohio River and not too far from the Mississippi River. Can you imagine if there is a great slaughter of bloodshed that the waters could be turned into blood as it seeps into those waterways? Can you imagine being down in the, in the Gulf as the water comes down the Mississippi River and it is filled with the blood of people who, whose lives have been taken, whose, whose wounds are open and, and flowing into the river? It could be something like that. But the Scripture is very clear that on this second seal that the sea will turn to blood. And then the, the third bowl says that the river's and the streams of water also become blood. The fourth bowl says that the sun scorches people with fire. How many of you have ever had a bad sunburn? Can I see your hands? My daughter had one not long ago. She put all the sunscreen on all the kids and didn't put it on herself. 
She paid the price. She took pictures of it and sent it to us that night. And it's like, surely you know to use sunscreen, right? But she didn't. She forgot. And she paid the price. I remember my dad one time years ago. We weren't beach people. We've never been beach people. I, I, if I never went to the beach again, it'd be soon enough for me. I love the mountains, though. Now, if you want to get up a trip and go to the mountains, I'll go with you. If you want to go camping, I'll get me a bag of hot dogs and we'll go. I'm ready. The beach just doesn't mean that much to me. But it's because of the way I was raised. My, we were Church of God, and we weren't allowed to go to the beach, and we, we couldn't mixed bathe. How many of you remember that? You remember no mixed bathing? And there were other sexes on the beach. And so if I was a male, I couldn't be on the beach where there were females. It was just the way it was in the way that I was raised. I know for some of you that just seems like the dumbest thing you've ever heard. But trust me, that's the way it was when I was growing up. And so it says here that the sun is going to burn the skin of the individuals. My dad was on the beach one day and we would just taken this family vacation and he took his shoes off and he walked on the sand during the day. And the tops of his feet got blistered and burned so badly that he could not wear shoes. We got home from vacation and one of the young couples in the church was going to be married. And dad was supposed to do the wedding. And dad was not going to let them down. So he went down to Big John's. We didn't have Walmart or anything like that. I do think we had a cousin Fred's or something like that. And he went down, he bought himself a pair of house shoes, and he cut the tops out of the house shoes so that it would not lay on the top of the blisters on his feet. And he did that wedding with those funny-looking house shoes on and his tuxedo. And in the pictures, you could see his feet down there just, just blistered and red and horrible, but he did uh, his duty and he got them married and I think they stayed married their whole life praise the Lord so it must have worked all right but if you know you've been sunburned you know what I'm talking about only this is going to be much worse and it's going to affect everyone on the face of the earth so there the sun will scorch people with fire number five there will be darkness now you know we're not talking about just going out on the deck at night with a cup of coffee or hot chocolate or, or, or pumpkin spice. I mean, this is the time of year that if you like pumpkin spice, knock yourself out. I don't really care for it all that much. Just give me plain old black coffee and I'm good to go. I'm just one of those tough guys, you know what I'm saying? But I'm not talking about that kind of darkness. I'm talking about the kind of darkness that you can't even see in front of your face. Darkness will come over the earth and it will remain there and they will live in darkness. And then the scripture, and this is very important because the sixth trumpet signifies that the Euphrates River will dry completely up. Why would that happen? Why would God want the Euphrates to dry up? The answer is very simply. It's simple. It will give a pathway for these nations that have been held at bay to come back for a final opportunity to destroy Israel in battle. It will dry up and give them a path. 
You remember back in the Old Testament when the Red Sea came open and the people of God passed through on dry land and then Pharaoh and his people were going to chase them down and they got out into the middle of the sea. And what happened? God shut up the sea, brought it back together and killed every last one of them. This time, he's going to keep the riverbed uh, it's so that it's passable, so that these armies can come by because he's not going to use the river to cover him up. He's going to come down himself and he's going to destroy them one final time. Brings us to the last trumpet. The last trumpet says that when it is blown, the entire earth is going to quake, but it's going to be different this time because it's going to be a sign to the enemy that this is the time for us to engage Israel and God's people, and we're going to overtake them at this time. It is a battle that you've heard of much in your lifetime. If you're a Christian, it is the battle of Armageddon. How many of you have ever heard Armageddon? And the war is going to break out. It's going to be crazy. And in that moment, at that time, is when Jesus is going to come back the second time. As the world is waging war and trying to gain all of this, uh, this land and, and the opportunity to overcome, the, uh, the battle of Armageddon is going, to, is going to take place. It's going to be the greatest war, uh, war that the world has ever heard of or seen or experienced. It's going to be far greater than World War I, World War II, the Korean War, any of the wars. This is going to be the mother load of them all. And Jesus is going to let it go for a little bit. And then finally, Jesus is going to declare, I've had enough. And here he comes. He's going to come down on the earth. And this time, he's going to be riding a white horse. You remember us talking about the white horse earlier? That signified that there's going to be great evil on the earth and war and battles and that kind of thing. This time, Jesus is going to ride that white horse onto the earth and you know who's going to be behind him everybody who's in heaven is going to be coming with Jesus out of heaven and on to the earth and we're going to get to help Jesus fight the battle and right the wrong and pour out judgment upon this earth because Jesus said he would have the final say the government will be upon his shoulder and here comes Jesus and here comes the bride and we're coming from the heavenlies and we're going to come to this earth and straighten everything out. Kind of makes me want to go to heaven just so I can come back with Jesus. So chapters, chapter 20 verses 1 through 6. And I want you to open your Bible here and, and read along with me. Revelation chapter 20 verse 1 through 6. As we move into now what is called the millennium. Sometimes it's referred to as the millennial reign. How many of you know it's not going to take Jesus a long time to finish that battle at Armageddon? It's not going to take him long. He's going to, he's going to pour out judgment, and he's going to do what he needs to do, and it'll all go very quickly because he will be doing it. Let's look at chapter 20, verses 1 through 6. I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding in his hand the key to the bottomless pit, the great chain. And he seized the dragon, 
that ancient serpent who is the devil and Satan. Did you ever want to just smack this, the devil just one day just, just for fun? You're about to get an opportunity to see him go down. And he bound him for a thousand years and threw him into the pit and shut it and sealed it over him so that he might not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years were ended. And after that, he must be released for a little while. Then I saw thrones, and seated on them were those to whom the authority to judge was committed. And I also, the, also saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus and for the word of God, and those who had not worshipped the beast or its image and had not received its mark on their foreheads or their hands." Who's he talking about there? He's talking about those who had trusted Christ during the tribulation. Not talking about you and me. If we're saved now, the rapture takes place, we're going to heaven. But those who accept Christ and are somehow able to maintain their faith during the tribulation, they're going to have a reward here. And they're going to be set aside. Look at this. It says, they came to life. And reign with Christ for a thousand years. They had been killed and destroyed, beheaded for their faith. But the Bible says that Jesus brought them back to life and allowed them to reign with him for a thousand years. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ, and they will reign with him for a thousand years. Listen, we're going to reign with Jesus Christ during the millennial period, a thousand years of peace. A thousand years of joy. A thousand years of something that most of us have never experienced on the face of this earth. For those of you who have had weak bodies and sick bodies and decaying bodies, I'm telling you about a time when you're going to be in the presence of the healer and you're going to be healed and made whole in your body. Your old body is going to be gone and your new glorified body will be active and you will be able to live live in great peace and joy and harmony with Jesus Christ for a thousand years. Doesn't that sound good to you? Yeah, I was thinking, and I heard somebody talking one day, and they were talking about, and Justin, I think it was Justin, made reference to it. It might have been somebody. No, it was Jonathan, I think, on Wednesday night. He said he was talking about going to heaven and having this, this uh, worship service that never ends. And he said, that didn't sound good to me. He said, because I've been in some worship services that I wish it would end. How many of you have ever been in some of those? It was Jonathan talking about that. But you know, we're, going to be, we're not going to be in a place where we're going to be worshiping the Lord in such a way that it, it, it's discouraging and it's, and it's no good and it's not enjoyable. But we're going to enjoy that time in the presence of Jesus. And it's going to be a wonderful time, a thousand-year reign of Jesus Christ. And then I want you to see what's going to happen. After we have won the battle of Armageddon and Jesus has taken control, I mentioned this last week, I want to mention it again. 
we're going to have a potluck dinner in heaven that will absolutely blow your mind. We're going to experience the marriage supper of the Lamb. We will be married to Jesus in a very spiritual sense. And we will live throughout eternity with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And we're going to start with this great marriage supper of the Lamb. And we're going to enjoy that together. Now you can probably think in your mind, I wonder what they're going to serve. I, I sure have my order ready. It's not going to be Burger King where you get it your way. It's going to be God's way. He's going to put the buffet and the menu together. And I promise you that whatever is on the table, it's going to be good to eat because it comes from the very heart of God as we participate together. The marriage supper of the Lamb. The thousand year reign of Christ. And then there's this thing called the great white throne judgment at the end of the thousand. Have you ever heard of the great white throne judgment? It's where Jesus is going to, after a thousand years, he's going to let Satan come up out of the pit one more time. He's already put him there, sealed him in so that he couldn't get out through the thousand years. But at the end of the thousand years, he's going to release him one more time. What do you think Satan's going to do? Satan is going to do his best to try to get people to deny their relationship with Jesus Christ. He's going to do everything that he can to take control. He's going to do everything that he can to overcome the lamb who was slain. It's going to be very different this time. Because what Jesus does this time is going to be final. Because the Bible tells us that he's going to take Satan. He's going to take the demons. He's going to take the fallen angels. He's going to take sinners, everyone whoever rejected Jesus Christ while they were alive, and he's going to eternally separate them from God and the people of God by placing them in a lake that burns eternally with fire. Now let me tell you something. I want to be in heaven. I don't want to be judged and placed in the lake of fire. And I get the choice. I get to make my choice right now on this earth. Don't forget, Ecclesiastes says that whatever way that the tree is leaning when it falls, that's where it's going to be. If you're leaning towards evil, if you're leaning towards the devil, if you're leaning towards the world, when your life is over, whichever way you are learning, leaning, that's how you're going to fall and that's where you're going to stay. But the good news is this. Those who are leaning towards Christ and leaning into Him. When we die, when our bodies fall, we're going to spend eternity with Jesus Christ. I don't know how you feel about that, but I am ready, 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 ready. Amen. And then you know what's going to happen? We're getting ready to have communion here in just a moment. But the Bible says... If I had time, and you need to read verse, or chapters 21 and 22, he's going to create all things new. We're talking about this on Wednesday night. I encourage you to come. We're going to talk about all things new. But notice that it does not say that God is going to create all new things. It says he's going to create all things 
new. In other words, this creation that came from the hand, the Bible says that everything that was created was created by Jesus Christ. Is that true? And the Bible tells us in Genesis, when God created this earth, that every time he looked back, with the exception of one time, every time he said, this is good. This is good. So why then would Jesus decide to destroy it all and start all over again? Is he going to do that? Or is he going to purify the original creation? And make it useful once again. He's going to give us the same bodies. He could look at my my body and he could say, you know, Rob, I'm really sorry about that. I really am. I'm I'm sorry about it. We're going to make it right. When you get up here with me, I'm going to give you a brand new one. It won't look anything like that. You won't be tall. You won't won't be, you know, whatever. I'm sorry. I messed up the first time. But I'm going to make it right. Is that what he's going to do? Or is he going to purify my body in such a way that it will be glorified throughout eternity? People will come up to me and say, they won't say, seems like I know you. Seems like I'm familiar with you. But I can't really make it out. No, people who know me, they're going to come right up to me and they're going to say, your name is Rob. And it's not going to be because I have a name tag in heaven on It's going to be because people will know me because God is going to take my body and he's going to restore it to the original state. He's going to take this earth and he's going to restore it to the original state. Oh, there's heaven. We're going to have heaven. We have heaven now. My mom and dad are in heaven right now. They're coming back with Jesus at the the end of the the tribulation, and they're going to be there with him. They're in heaven now. Their souls are there. There's coming a time when God is going to separate the goats from the sheep. And the goats, the devil, the demons, they're all going to be assigned to the lake of fire where the Scripture tells us they will be eternally outside of the presence of God. I don't want to be there. But I don't have to be there because my name has been written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Aren't you glad that your name's been written? Aren't you glad that you've been saved by Jesus Christ? Aren't you glad? So all this talk we've been talking about, all these signs that are taking place, troubling signs that we have to live through right now, and then the church is taken out of here in the tribulation. The first three and a half years is going to be called the tribulation. The last three and a half years is going to be called the great tribulation, where it's going to be difficulty and destruction unlike anything the world's ever seen or ever will see, the Scripture says. But then after seven years, Jesus is coming back, and he's going to take over this earth, and we're going to be there with him. We're going to spend a thousand years. Can you even imagine? How many of you are a hundred years old? Can I see your hand? Anybody here a hundred? I bet Geraldine feels like she's a hundred with 26 grandkids. I don't know if she does or not, but when I heard that, I thought, oh, God, help me. 
I'd be broke as could be if I had 26 grandkids. I wouldn't have a penny to my name. The reason I asked if anybody was 100 is, number one, I knew that was safe. I knew none of you were 100. But can you imagine if you were 100 years? 1,000 years is 10 times 100 years that we're going to be in a peaceful bliss with Jesus Christ. Now let me close, and then we're going to have, I want the ushers to come and get in place, and we're going to have communion. Let me ask you this. Are you saved today? Those of you watching on TV today, are you saved today? Because if you're not, then you don't have the promise that I've been talking about, about this millennial reign with Jesus Christ. You don't have that promise. But the good news is, is that you can accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior. And He will write your name in the book of life and all will be well with your soul. Isn't that good news today? Stand with me if you will. I thank you so much for staying with me the last four weeks. I know this is different. I know that sometimes we talk about things and then we say, how does that really affect my right now life? Truth of the matter is, is that we Christians these days, as we've gotten so... We've gotten so consumer-minded that relationship with church with a relationship is always about what does it do for me. We think about Scripture sometimes and what, is it, what does it do for me. But you know, Jesus saves us so that we can be His. And I'm so thankful that we have that opportunity. And I'm so glad that we have these kinds of messages. Because here's what it'll do for us. It will help us to be serious about our relationship with Jesus Christ. And it will burden our hearts for people that we know who are outside of Christ. We will pray for them like we've never prayed for them before. Because if we really think that they're going to spend eternity separated from God in a place called hell that the scripture says is enlarging itself on a daily basis. If we believe that, then it will cause our prayer life to change so that we can pray and make a difference in the lives of people who need Jesus. So today as we close, we're going to worship, we're going to sing. I want you to come get the communion elements and then just stay down here in the area if you can't stand for very long leave these front seats open for those who need to sit once you get your elements and then we will partake together in just a moment come on if you will Like a vow that 
showed me the river of the water of life, brightest crystal, flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. On the other side of the river was the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything cursed, but the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it and his servants will worship him they will see his face his name will be on their foreheads and night will be no more they will need no light or lamp or sun for the Lord God will be their light and they will reign forever and ever and he said to me these words are trustworthy and true and the Lord the God of the spirits of the prophets has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. And behold, he said, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. 
and I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed me them to me. But he said, oh, don't do that. I'm a fellow servant with you and your brothers, the prophets, and with those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. And he said to me, do not seal up the words of this prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the evildoer continue to do evil, and the filthy, let them still be filthy, and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. Behold, I say, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and Omega. I am the first and the last. I am the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and the sorcerers and the sexually immoral and the murderers and the idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David. I am the bright and morning star. The Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let the one who hears say, Come, and let the one who is thirsty come, and let the one who desires take the water of life without price. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues that are described in this book. And if anyone takes away from these words of the book, of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. And he who testifies to these things says, Surely, surely, I am coming soon. And then he says, Amen. And follows his Amen with, Come, Lord Jesus. How many of you could pray that prayer today? Come, Lord Jesus. I'm ready. I'm watching. I'm looking. I'm anticipating the coming of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm so glad you're ready. But if you're not, now's your day of salvation. Make sure of it. Jesus, before he left his disciples, he said, I want you to remember what I did for you. And every time you take of the bread and the cup, I want you to remember the significance of what I did. Because for all of this to be ours, it required 
the death of the Lamb who would pay for our sins. And you know that Lamb is Jesus Christ, right? And He gave them the bread and He said, take this, break it, and receive it. And when you do remember that my body was broken for you, Take a moment and think about that and worship the Lord for His body. Thank you, Jesus. And in like manner, He took the cup and He said, I shed my blood for you. And then He said, take it in remembrance of me. Receive it. I don't know when Jesus is coming again. I wish I could tell you that. And even the things that I've talked to you about, you know, there are so many levels of, and depth of truth that we didn't even scratch over the last four weeks. But I want you to live your life in such a way that if Jesus came today, that you'd be able to go and experience everything that He has prepared for us. I intend to. How about you? Amen? As you're being dismissed this morning, I want you to go to two or three people, look at their name tags, and call them by their name. And tell them this. Say, if I don't ever see you again on earth, I'll see you in heaven. God bless you, and I'll see you Wednesday night. You can be this minute.